Welcome in to the Think Deeper podcast. I'm Joe Wilkie, brother of the esteemed host, Jack Wilkie. Uh, we are joined by Jack and Will Harib today. And uh, fellas, it's the off week of football. Uh, we got Super Bowl coming up next week. This week was the Pro Bowl. Um, absolutely horrible. Don't know why they do it. I think our uh, beach football games would blow out anything that, that they do. Uh, they should They should have televised us. But anyway, um, we got Super Bowl coming up. What are your Super Bowl picks between Char- uh, almost said Chargers, uh, the other the other Los Angeles team, uh, the Rams and Bengals? Who do you got? I got the Rams. Um, I'm probably going to end up being the Bengals because I picked it against the Bengals pretty much the entire time in the playoffs. I haven't believed in them. They beat my Titans. Uh, they beat the unbeatable Patrick Mahomes. So they're probably going to end up winning, but I, I got the Rams. I think their offense is – uh, just better equipped, their O-line's better, and their defense, of course, is, is stifling. So, But who knows, Joe Burrow might might pull it out, and I, I just think Stafford deserves it. I like OBJ, so I'm also kind of rooting for the Rams, so kind of a rooted interest there. But I'm just hoping for a good game, mainly. Last year was was brutal. was not a good game last year. Uh, amen. Jack? Uh, let's pick Cincy. Let's say uh, ah. I, I feel like we're doing an overlap. Brady is, is out the door, and Burrow's the new big winner, so – that's a that's a risky move. I'm going with Rams. Um, I would love to see Von Miller get another one being a Broncos fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, Vaughn. Yeah. Vaughn is he's a great guy. He was great for the city of Denver. I would love to see him going. I feel like the Rams are just kind of the misfits like OBJ and and Vaughn and um, Stafford and guys like that. So I'm pulling for them. That's a, a bold move, Jack. Um, we'll uh, yeah, we'll I guess we'll know next week. Anyway, let's, uh, in, uh, in the realm of sorry, real quick. In the no, realm go for of another. Um, incredibly important competition. I thought it worthy to note that Jack got his wordle yesterday or that two days ago in two tries. Jack, is that correct? That's true. How did that feel? This guy, you know, I, it's going to be hard to beat too. So <laughs> you guys this is what we call catch up. This is what we call luck. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll it's, take it. It's <laughs> absolute, it's absolute luck. So yeah, don't, don't brag too much. Yeah. Any, <laughs> anyway, well, I'm, we, I'm uh, glad we did something a little more lighthearted, uh, seeing is the direction this episode's about to go so yeah I, I guess that's true um so with that let's uh let's jump right in jack i'll turn it over to you it's not going to be our most fun discussion but it's one that that's important we believe the bible gives us a, a an ideology for all of life that the christ is overall and and through him we can know how to handle everything we can have a, a grasp of everything and one of those things is death death is something the bible addresses some death is uh, one of the things that Christianity does best for us is give us hope over death that the world doesn't have. And so we wanted to talk about death for a number of reasons. Um, modern history, very recent modern history, and, and over the last hundred years, has pushed death toward us in, in two different ways. There's two different approaches for death. And so we were talking about this before we got on and, and started recording. Let's go into those a little bit, those two sides of how uh, a godless society has approached death. Yeah, so one of them is, is fairly obvious, and interestingly enough, this kind of somewhat ties into what we discussed, goodness, three, four weeks ago now when talking about the generation wars. Um, one, of, one of the ways in which we approach death is to just do everything that we can to avoid thinking about it, right? You know, we kind of treat it like the boogeyman, something to be avoided at all costs, Again, to relate to the episode we recorded three or four weeks ago that, that talked about the generation wars, we don't like to think about being old. You know, we stick people in nursing homes. You know, we we try. You know, we try to make ourselves look younger. We do everything that we can to avoid the idea of being old. And I think a lot of it has to do with that approach of again, we just want to avoid death as long as possible. We want to, you know, make the most of everything that we have. Push death off. Again, it's it's something to be avoided at all costs. And so, you know, I, I think that's definitely one approach. And especially you, you think about young people. Again, one of the reasons that they don't, uh, you know, value the older, enjoy thinking about the older generation is because we don't we really don't like to think about the fact that one day we're going to be that old and one day, you know, we are going to die. We don't like to think about death. So that's one of the approaches. Obviously, that's kind of an obvious one. What, what about the other one, Joe? I would say the other side, there's so much death and I think this is where we're going with it, but there's, there's so much, you hear about the numbers from the Holocaust, you hear about 61 million babies um, being murdered through abortion. 
And death almost becomes like on the one hand, I think kind of, as you're talking about, there's this personal approach when it becomes very personal, we're very scared of it. We don't want to talk about it. On the other hand, even with COVID numbers there, there's so much death surrounding us that we almost like, it's almost not real from time to time, right? It becomes real to us when it becomes personal, but there's also this side of as long as we can maybe not think about it, despite the fact that millions are dying, millions of babies are being murdered every year, things like that. Death still is so impersonal to us until it starts to come closer to home. It seems like um, something that's far away. Right. Is what you're Correct. Going for exactly. Right. Yeah. right, right, right. Exactly. And we're okay with it as long as it stays far away from us. The abortion, we don't really see that. In fact, a lot of times you don't, I mean, there's not burials, there's not funerals. And so it's really out of sight, out of mind. Euthanasia, you know, people shoved out of society and, and, I mean, how much advocacy there's been for that. It's it's out of sight, out of mind. It's away from me. It's okay. But when your neighbor dies, when a family member dies, when, when you deal with a sickness yourself, or when there's a threat like COVID, where it comes close to home, and, and there's a part of this that's natural. I mean, you read about a tsunami across the world that takes out tens of thousands of people. It's scary. It's it's sad. It's heartbreaking. But there's just not that connection there that you're going to have when your neighbor dies or your parent dies. Or, or like when 9-11 happened, for right, instance. Right. You know, it, it's a yeah. whole lot different. I mean, you can read about a bomb going off in the Middle East somewhere almost every day, and, and it just doesn't hit the same. And so there is a natural tendency of that. But on the other hand, as, as we talked about with our own aging, as we talk about COVID bringing it into our lives of, hey, death is real, death is uh, a possibility for you. We like to think of ourselves as invincible. We like to do everything we can to avoid the idea of death, avoid confronting our own death. And bringing it back around to where we started, this is the difference that Christianity gives us. This is uh, Christianity gives us an, an ideology of death that doesn't fit with what the world has. And I want to start in James 4, where James talks about our life being a vapor, right? We're not here for very long, and we've got these plans. Well, you know, I'm going to go for a year and do such and such. When we have that idea of avoidance of death, putting off death, not really thinking about death, I'm, I'm in control of my life, and I, I'm going to do all of these other things, that, that is the worldly idea. Realizing every single day is a gift, death is, is near to all of us at any time. Because there is that, that invincibility factor that, that COVID really exposed is we're all a lot closer to this than we think we are. Well, and you said it perfectly with this idea of control, right? Mm -hmm. We think we're in control. And that's what James is making so clear is like, man, your life is a vapor. We have control over nothing. We have control over how we respond to what happens in our life. And James is big on that. But, you know, overall, and that's what COVID did for us is it brought death a lot closer to home. A lot of people had loved ones who died. But the other thing is it made you realize, man, you you don't have control over these things. Nobody had control over or, or for the majority of people who died, I think they didn't know that they were close to those with COVID, right? It was something that just lacked control. And I think that's when we start fearing death the most. And when we have such a problem with it is when we feel, feel that things are outside of our control. But as the Bible makes clear time and again, that's all the time. We really don't get to, to choose or number our days. We don't well, get you, to have that, you know, that knowledge. Right. When you look, for instance, at Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, the third chapter, first couple of verses where, you know, it talks about the fact that there's a time and a season for everything, a time to be born and a time to die. Death is just as natural as birth is. And yet again, kind of like what we've talked about, it, it gets, you know, pushed into the faraway realm out of sight, out of mind. And so whenever it does hit close to home, we forget that's again, literally just as natural as somebody being born is the time for everybody to die. You know, you hear the phrase, well, everybody's, you know, everybody's got an expiration date. Everybody has the day that they're going to die. And I think the, the COVID thing has really brought it around to, you know, those that die at a younger age, it's, we don't view that as that's the time that they should die. You know, we ideally think that everybody should get to live, you know, 85 or 90 and something that COVID has woken a lot of us up to is the fact that we might not be granted that opportunity. And obviously there's other things like that, but I think that's kind of what we're getting at here. Sure. And so I, I do want to save the COVID specific part of this for next week. This is not really a two-part episode, but what we talk about next week will build on this episode. And so there, there are very specific things we want to talk about with death and COVID and all of, of the related things, but I think we need to build this biblical ideology of death first. And I think 
why we, we bring up COVID as part of this is it exposed how little of a biblical ideology of death that we have. Mm-hmm. And the biblical ideology of death starts with your life. And, and Philippians 1 captures it at best, Paul in, in Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And he's telling the Philippian church, I'm being persecuted. I, if they kill me, I go and be with Jesus. Great. Nothing wrong with that. that that's, that's the best thing that can happen for me. If not, I get to stay here and keep serving him, keep serving you, the Church of Philippi, keep doing what God has, has in store for me to do. That has to be the Christian mindset of I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, but while I'm here, I'm serving God. And, and if tomorrow I get hit by a bus or, or something happens to me, okay. And, and so we have to live under those terms. Now, here's unfor- a question for you guys. I'm sorry, Joe, you go ahead. I'll ask no, my no, question no. after you get done. I was just going to say the unfortunate thing is we look at that as like, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Right. That's that's not the average guy, right? Like that's, he, of course, was living just for Christ and being a missionary. Like, no, that's intended every Christian. It's the same thing as imitate me as I'm like Christ. Like elders and, and older folks in the church should have that same idea. Like that's not just the Apostle Paul saying it. He is saying it as an example for the rest of us of how we all ought to live. And we all live for Christ. That's not just the best of the best, the, you know, the, the elite, the spiritually top elite, right. the spiritually right. elite. That is for all of us to have that. But what was your question? Well, what were we going to ask? I was just going to ask, um, because obviously we're pointing out from Philippians chapter one, this is how a Christian should view death, right? I think we would all agree in saying that this is, again, this is a general statement. It's a bit stereotypical, but this is not the way that a lot of Christians view death. I'll just put it that way. Um, I was going to ask, why do you guys think that is? Again, there are, you know, hopefully most Christians out there have this ideology of death, but no doubt there are some that don't. And why do you think that is? What do you think are the leading uh, reasons you might say that so many Christians don't really have this this ideology of death that we're talking about here? That's a great question. That's a really good question. I know for a fact, and we've discussed this among ourselves before, it is very sad how few Christians have assurance and so that is a big mm. part of it. How many Christians are saying, "Boy, I hope peace about I die. their salvation." Yeah, right. I, I sure hope that I, I've made. It. I, uh, the thing I hate hearing most is, "I hope I've done enough." Newsflash: You haven't. Jesus did. Yeah, so exactly. put your faith in Him. Walk with Him. Be baptized into Him. Um, you know, point to Him at your judgment. But that is, I think, a, a really big part of it, and something every church, every preacher, every Christian needs to work on is developing that assurance, because we th- kind of think it's arrogance to say, I know I'm going to heaven. It's not because I'm saying I'm a great person, it's because I have a great Savior. And in First yeah. John five thirteen says, so that you can know that you have eternal life. That's not arrogance if the Bible says you can know it, and you say, I know it. Yeah. I think the other thing is we are very tied to this life. We are there's so much that's like, you know, I have to have X, Y, or Z. And we think about death, but it's like, man, I hope that doesn't come for a while. I've got so many things going on. I've got this appointment and that, and I want to see, you know, such and such grow up or whatever it may be. Like, it's okay to have some ties, of course, family and everything else, but where is our mindset traditionally placed? Is our mindset going to, is it going to be thinking about heaven? Is it going to be thinking about the kingdom and, and even the kingdom on earth, or is it thinking about family and thinking about job and right. thinking about friends? Mm-hmm. And I think that creates a big issue as well is where is the mindset typically? Well, and my, one of my answers was, you know, tied directly to that. And that is the fact that we have a very difficult time fathoming the concept of eternity, just eternity in general, you know, kind of like what you're saying, Joe, we, our minds are, our thoughts are focused here. And whenever our mind tries to comprehend what eternity is going to be like, that's very difficult for us. And so our, our kind of default mode is just to be apprehensive of, of something that we can't fathom, to be apprehensive and, and hesitant about, about again, something that, that is just so difficult for us to fathom. It's a little bit of that fear of the unknown mm-hmm. uh, type thing. Oh, yeah. I think that plays an enormous role as well. Well, that goes right into what Jack's saying is the fear of the unknown. It The reason why Paul is, is so assured in what he says is because it's not unknown for him. He will be with Christ, yeah, right? right? He knows right. where he's going. There is no, uh, but everybody's afraid of the unknown. Like you stick your your hand inside a, a dark box or whatever, like you don't know. And that's where the fear comes from. Is it going to get bit? Is it going to, we don't know. And so the, the future is fearful for us and death is fearful for us because we kind of buy into the world's thinking on it is, which we know God is there. And we hope that we've quote, Les Jack said, quote unquote, done enough. But we just don't know. But the interesting thing is you were talking about the, of, of eternity. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that 
God has set eternity in our hearts. And this to me just speaks of the, the glory of God, the amazingness of God is for what that means to me is, is he put eternity on our hearts. We want to know everything about it. Where are we going? What are we here for? What is eternity like? And yet we literally have no ability to fathom eternity. That has always fascinated me. Like he's put it on our hearts to want to know that we always are going to want to think about what comes next and what eternity is like. And we have no concept in the human mind to grasp the very con- the, the the idea of eternity. Like, just sit here for a second and try. And what will people always say? It's like a bazillion years. No, 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 no. Years is in time, right? That's there's still a measurement, and this is outside of that. And once again, you can either lean into that and say, "I don't know anything about this, but I'm pumped. I'm very excited to get to meet my Maker." Or you can be very afraid of what comes and say, I don't know if I'm going to meet my maker. And once again, unfortunately, it's Christians living in fear, which again, we'll discuss a lot more next week. But I think that's honestly where this comes from is a lot of Christians living in fear that they have not been good enough. Uh, Jack, I, to me, Jack, your point just, it, it hits on it perfectly. I think that's our problem. Here. Well, the fear, the fear goes two ways. The fear goes, I'm going to stand before God and oh boy, did I make it? Did I pass right. the test? But the fear goes backwards as well to this life. We like what we have here. There's comfort here. Our, you know, We might have treasures here. And so fear comes from thinking you have something to lose. And mm. I think that goes with what Paul says in Philippians when he gets to chapter 3. He says, I count all things but loss. Basically, I'm not holding on to anything here, whether it was his career, whether it was relationships. You know, There were people that Paul just had to split from. Um, there was... Uh, his his own body that he had been beaten and shipwrecked and, and all those things. He said, yeah, I, I none of this is of any account to me. I don't count any of this as, as being worth hanging on to. And so when you look at this life and, you know, you've got a house, you've got a career, you got everything else that we have and you think, well, I want to do this. And in fact, I remember I, <laughs> you guys might have had the same thing as well, but there's been times in my life of, well, okay, you know, if if I die at this point, you know, okay, but I really want to get married and have kids first. I really want to do this first. I, I really hope that I can do this. And that's okay, you know, to to want, you know, if I'm going to be here to live as Christ, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I, I've got some things I would like to do, but kind of that idea of, okay, God, once I get these few things out of the way, then you can take me. That's saying I've got things to hold on to here, and I'm afraid to lose mm-hmm. those, and I'm more afraid to lose those than to gain anything he places in front of me. Well, and that that is that's a good point. And that's very natural. Let me you know, let me point out. I have a two month old son. Sure. I would I would hope that um, you know, it, it's very natural for me to want to see him grow up, right. to want to see him get married, to want to see him have kids. Again, it's 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 we're not we're not, you know, sitting here saying that, you know, you shouldn't want that or that you shouldn't enjoy any aspect of our life of your life here on earth. You know, God put us here um for a reason and it wasn't to be miserable. Um, but Jack, I think your, your, your point is very valid. The fact that we fear when we have something to lose. Um, I would, but again, just, you can understand how people, they want to see their kids grow up and graduate. They, they want to, you know, be close to their family. They want to be close to their friends. And I think, again, that ties into why we, we, to some extent have a skewed view of death is because we're not sure if we're going to see them, you know, on the other side, so to speak. But I think a lot of people are, are, and that not to be flippant, but basically like, well, what's going to happen on stranger things? You know, I really want to know, like, I, I don't want to <laughs> right. go to heaven. It's not quite that bad, but truly like they make so many ties yeah. that they have to know, or they have to be here for a bazillion different things. Well, it's, and, I was just going to say, I know y'all are, aren't country fans whatsoever, but it's that country song, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Right. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that ties into it. It's right. all these earthly things that aren't near as important as your, your family you know, watching your family grow up, it's, you know, I don't want to miss out on all the fun I'm having down here is the type of mindset that is desperately important to avoid. I heard right. a phrase the other day. It's something that I've, I've heard older generations use that I, I hope we don't lose all these little sayings and witticisms that young people don't say. But somebody was talking about they went to a, to some city and we were talking about that city and none of them liked it. They're like, yeah, don't go there. It's not worth going to. It's dirty. There's crime, whatever else. And, uh, so one guy said, yeah, you know, I, boy, I don't ever want to go back again. And the other guy said, yeah, you, you didn't leave anything there, did you? And, you know, just kind of, I don't have anything to go back for. There's nothing there that I, no I feel a need to go back yep. and settle. 
And there's there's kind of that attitude towards Earth. Now, of course, the relationships are key. The relationships, yeah, right. as you said, wanting your son to uh, grow, your your marriage, your friendships, your church relationships, those are the important thing. And and that's a big part of evangelism is and and discipling and and teaching your family, teaching your kids, you know, working with our spouses and and those around us to say. I'm not going to be here someday, and I'm not worried about me. I want to make sure you're there, too. I've got assurance. Let's make sure you have assurance that you're in Christ, I'm in Christ, that we're going to live forever and ever and ever. I, I I preached this funeral the other day, or memorial, really, and it was it was from a faithful brother, uh, just, a, a, just a really good man, a really kind-hearted follower of Christ. And, and you've been to funerals like that, right? There's a joy to it. And now it's, it's sad yeah. for all of us that he's gone. It's, it's sad for his, his children, his adult children, his grandchildren. But we can all know we're going to see him again. We, well, and, he had and the open Jesus, at, so do we. Right. At funerals like that, there's a sense of excitement's not quite the right word. But you know what I'm going for here. There, there's not this uh, you know, feeling of dread, this feeling of just utter you know, dejection. It's more of a feeling. Not, And again, hope's not even the right word. It, it's, it really is kind of excitement. The right. fact that you know, this faithful man who lived to, you know, however old in your example, Jack, that he lived to be, that has now gone on to his reward. Look at his he gets legacy. his reward. Exactly. We, we right. can rejoice about the legacy that he left. And it's a reason to rejoice. It's a reason to be excited. See, this is a point, uh, Will, that your dad, uh, Brad Harib, of course, uh, for the listeners are, are familiar with. He, he makes a lot that how many times he's heard people <laughs> say prayers in church of, oh, Father, help sister so-and-so. She's 98. She fell and broke her hip. She's got double pneumonia. She's got this, that, you know, help her make a full recovery. And on the one hand, I'm not sure like what we would say otherwise in that prayer, you know, like just take her <laughs> home Gotta be now, careful but, with that. But I, I've had that <laughs> God, same just prayer take her of, home. you know, this, this poor, sweet, great, godly little old lady at, at the first congregation I worked with. She was in her 90s, laying there in a nursing home bed, looking out the window all day, watching TV all day. Can't read because her eyesight is just not there. And... Uh, it was a very hard existence and she just she had the best attitude of i don't know why god still wants me here but uh, you know <laughs> until he does and so in that prayer you know when when she gets sick she doesn't want to stay around she's like man i want to go i yeah. want to go home i want to see my husband in heaven i want to be with my savior i i, I want those promises that i well, have and, and so again i'm not quite sure what words to say in the prayer but we do have that mindset of don't let anybody ever die and that's not right either well joe, joe i'll kick it to you but the overall point sure. the dad makes is that we spend more time praying for saved people to stay out of heaven yeah. than we do praying for lost people to become mm, saved right. is kind of the point that he's making. It's there. a powerful Joe, what point. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say the peace that you get that, that these older people have that are intent on heaven. Like it's, as you talked about the excitement, the funeral, there's, there's like, it's really cool to sit with an older person and it's sad knowing their days are numbered, but to watch the Christians who know, where they're going, right? They know God, they have this deep relationship with him and the peace that they have toward the end of their life. They know it could be any day now, but they're just ready for it. And that's yeah. the amazingness of Paul is he did that decades before he wasn't mm -hmm. 90 doing that. Right. And that's the incredible, but that's kind of what we need is just this piece of like, I'm ready to go. If it happens today, it happens today. I'm, I'm at peace with my relationship with God. I'm at peace with everything. But Jack, going back to some, a point you made that I think is important is you know, with this theology of death and getting it right, it does, we do have responsibilities here. I feel like actually it makes our responsibilities even more heightened, which is your days aren't, you don't know when you could be going. And so make sure that you're teaching your family about Christ. Make sure you're reaching out to your friends. You're talking to people in the stores and such. To me, it puts so much more of a, um, when you think I've got decades to do this, then there's no urgency to it. But when this could be you at any procrastinate, time, right? Right. And, but when we're scared of death, we, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, we don't want to think about it. So we push it off as much as possible. And when we push that off, we lose that sense of urgency and that sense of responsibility to make sure we're taking care of what remains here on earth. If I'm gone, I know my wife and my kids will remain faithful, right? Or whatever it may be, there's a lot of uncertainty in that too. And so I think that people are, are, they're scared to think about death of what comes in the future, but they're also scared to think about the responsibility that would place on them now if they were to leave. So in both situations, we remain fearful. And when you think about like Jackie preaching at funeral the other day, right? What do you preach for somebody who has 
who, who does not have Christ. I've done that. Somebody who is, that's not fun. It's brutal. What it do you is. do? You focus, you focus on their life, right? You focus on all the ties to the earth and all the, you know, all the great memories that we have with them or whatever. That's the only way to really get, through but you, but like you that. can't really guide anybody's thoughts towards eternity. Correct. You have to, like you're saying, you have to focus so much on the earth or on their earthly life in an instance like that. Yeah. That's well, in it. a way that, that's it's, what it's we over. do. Yeah. Right. That's what we do is right. we focus so much on our life and on our memories, not everything that we do. And it's like, that's reserved for the non-Christians. That's reserved for those horrible funerals that nobody wants to preach. Nobody wants to attend where you're going, what could have been? This is horrible. But we as Christians put ourselves in that box, in my opinion, way too much of trying to just stick around on this earth a little while longer and make better memories, man, what's coming is infinitely better than what we have here. So there was a, a, a few songs around the same time, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I think one was a country song. Will would know more about this. Uh, Live Like You Were Dying. Um, yeah, Tim McGraw. Okay, Tim McGraw. There was a Nickelback song back kind of right before they became a, a, a laughing stock. but Nickelback, uh, If Today Was Your Last Day, it was on the radio all the time. And then They're the butt one, of every joke now, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then one of the American Idol guys back when that was a thing, I don't remember which one, but... Um, live like you're dying or live like we're dying and you know talking about we've only got this much time in every day and all these songs were like basically live your life as if you're not going to be around tomorrow live your life as if your your clock is running out you can't do that you know i mean there's that the thought if you, if you had one day left what would you do would you you know travel around and see all your family members would you take all your money and fly you know somewhere crazy or just go to the amusement park all day and ride roller coasters if you knew what it would okay but since you can't know that, number one, number two, you, that's just not possible to live life that way. Uh, right, you right. have to live every day as if you're not going to wake up in the morning, but not in that same sense. And so how do you do that? Well, it's faithfulness. It's my life is not my own. It's God's. And I, I think James 4, we talked about with, with your life is a vapor. And, and if the Lord wills, we'll do this. Not having arrogance pairs very well with that parable of the man building bigger barns, building a storehouses. Um, basically like, I'm doing great. Look at all this. I'm just going to get richer and richer and keep investing and keep growing and growing. And God says, your life is required from you this night. You got all these plans and, and you, sometimes people make the takeaway, you know, planning and investing that that's not what God wants us to do. Well, that's not true. I mean, in a sense, you have to live like you're going to be here for however many more years. You can't do the go ride roller coasters all day thing because who knows, Right. On the other hand, you also have to live like you're not going to be here tomorrow. And and that's what and takes I, the fear out of that is I'm going to be okay if I'm not. And my family is going to be okay if I'm not because God provides for them better than I do. As scary of a thought as that is for me and my kids and my wife and leaving them here and, you know, but you want to set them up to where they do okay. But I don't have to be afraid. My faith is in God. My faith is in God for me. My faith is in God for them. And, and having that realization that death is real, we don't have much control over it because these things do happen. Right. And I would sum it up to say, you know, rather than live like you were dying, you know, or live like you're live like you're dying. I would sum it up to say, live like you're ready to die. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, you are, you know, planning as if you have one month left. No, you're continuing with your life as, uh, as normal. I mean, you know, you're making plans. Like you just said, there's nothing wrong with that, but live as though you are ready to die anytime you're ready to go anytime. I think that that is a little bit, uh, of a different mindset. And it's a difficult mindset to get to, you mm -hmm. know, again, with, with what culture pushes and with, you know, the way we just naturally fear death, it, it can be very difficult to get to, but that for the Christian is where we're supposed to get to. It's uh, I was, I was on a plane recently and they had, they had movies, you know, plane movies or whatever. Um, certain one, older ones and some of the newer ones and usually cleaned up and such. And they had uh, the bucket list on there. Oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson and, and Morgan Freeman one. And I know we watched it a long time ago on clear plate, but I mean, it had to be over a decade ago and uh, I remember liking it or whatever. So sure. It's on the plane. And it just, it's, I guess, cause I was already thinking about some of these concepts and such how it struck me like life mattered to him, but not really that much until, you know, of course they're given terminal diagnoses of, of six months to a year to live or whatever, which I hopefully, if you haven't seen the movie, sorry, the movie's already like 15 years old, so you're already way behind. Spoiler, um, this all is going to happen. Exactly, spoilers are going to happen. The other thing is, it's like 30 minutes into the movie, so or less. Um, I didn't get very far. I had a sermon to prepare, so it's like I'll turn this off. But anyway, um, the the idea though that I was thinking is like, 
it's amazing how much people start to value, how much they prioritize or what they prioritize when they feel that their life is coming to an end, that I only have so much time. And so much of it is what we're talking about, like that kind of that bucket list idea of, I want to see the pyramids or I want to, want to go do whatever else. And at the end of the day, that stuff just doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter at all, but it does. When you think about death being fairly present or close, it does cause you to start prioritizing things in your life. Well, I think that's partly the faith is what do you prioritize on the day to day? It's easy to go days and weeks and months and maybe even years without ever really stopping to prioritize. This is how you have parents who never prioritize Bible time with their kids. They, you know, they never get off the computer at night or never put the phone down to prioritize with the kid because they don't think about the fact that death could be here tomorrow. And if you were on your deathbed in a week, how would your kids remember? How would everybody else remember you? That's not to be, we walk around somber all the time. We walk around joyous because death has no sting, right? As it talks about in first Corinthians 15, the, the, the sting of death is gone because Christ is over is, has conquered that meaning we've conquered that, that when death comes, we will be raised with Christ, you know, in our new heavenly bodies. So we walk around, we should have more joy than anybody. But okay. So this, I, this starts to feed into a, the, the transition I wanted to make here towards the end is the idea of the practical. This is all ideology, uh, the ideolo- ideology of, of viewing death as Christians the way that we should. So let's... It's easy let's, to say. Right. It's easy to, to say, but the practical things in life. I think one of them is what we talked about of rewording our prayers and, and really asking ourselves, do I have this mindset that I want to... Because, okay, again, as we talked about those people who are at their funeral, that's it. They're done. There's no hope beyond this life. Then, yes, every minute of this life must be preserved as long as possible, must be, you know, just ferociously protected so that you don't lose it. When you are a Christian where death does not scare you in the same way, what are the practical implications of this? What are what are ways we adjust, we live differently, we talk differently, we think differently, all of these things what would, what do we do with this? I guess. Why, why? Mm. Yeah. What do we do with this? I'll say. Very, very loaded question. Um, and I think it's interesting how, you know, this is, this is what our our sixth, seventh episode I've, I've lost count. Um, but what did we start the, you know, this particular year, at least talking about with our podcast, the idea of redeeming our time, the idea of, of not just, you know, well, let me, let me just coast through life. Let me just coast till, you know, the finish line of death. And I think that very much ties into, you know, what we've been talking about. And even, even a couple of weeks ago, when talking about the joy that we're supposed to find in our Christian walk, you think about what our life, what our lives here on earth are for, what are they for to serve God, to glorify God. And if we think in that mindset, then we're, we're going to be in the same line of thinking as Paul was, you know, to live as Christ and to die as gain. When you talk about pr- practical ways to do that, Jack, um, because like you said, we've, we've talked very in, a, in an ideological realm here. You have to, again, practically speaking, you have to get into God's word more. You have to make sure you're thinking more heavenward as opposed to more earthly. I would even say, you know, again, kind of a, a common theme that we talked about, surround yourself with, with people who, think in that manner rather than putting all their emphasis on earth, rather than putting all their emphasis on the treasures they lay up here on earth. Hmm. Um, Joe, what about you? What, what do you have to throw out there? You know, I was thinking about what if you were to make a list, a, a just top five, top 10 lists of your priorities in life, and then rate yourself. How are you doing with it? God should be your number number one priority on a scale of one to 10. Where would you put your relationship with God right now? How much time are you devoting to God right now? How much energy, mental energy um, and emotions are you devoting to God? And maybe second would be your family. And just see how you're doing on this list, because I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us, and I would get into this as well, like jobs, right, would be, I put seven, eight, nine, you know, maybe not a 10, but we devote a lot of time and mental energy to things like that or to hobbies or whatever else. And just from a practical perspective, I think sometimes it's good to take inventory of where we are with some of those things and say, are we prioritizing those things appropriately? And so that's, that's just a a way to, you know, think about the live, but something I often think about is like, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Glorifying God, right? I feel like heaven will be best for those who already love glorifying God. I used to think like heaven's just going to be like nothing but 10,000 years of singing songs. I don't like singing all that much, which I know is for a lot of people just ridiculous. 
if it wasn't commanded, I wouldn't do it. I don't like my voice. I don't like singing. <laughs> and so the thought of like this idea of we're just going to sing to God for 10,000 years, I'm going, I mean, I want to avoid the other one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I want to avoid the other one, but you know, like I don't really want to do that. Well, first off, I don't think that's exactly how heaven is, but second off, I feel like if I can learn to really love to glorify God here on earth, heaven's going to be amazing for me. And if I don't really love to, to glorify him, to serve him, to care about him, to think about him down here, why would I enjoy heaven? That's mainly what heaven is, is being in the presence of God and enjoying his presence. So I think about that a lot of just taking inventory saying, how much am I enjoying God right now on this earth? Am I prepared to enjoy him in heaven? Ultimately, we all want to avoid hell, but we don't necessarily want to run toward heaven, I feel like sometimes. And so sometimes I just think about how can I bring a little bit of that down to earth, but I'll open this up because Jack, I want to hear your thoughts, but I want to, Paul's like the ultimate minimalist right? and he could be doing YouTube videos these days, right? And get millions <laughs> of views on minimalism. That's, that's the new thing. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that of like, is there some merit to the idea of not having too much to tie you down? It is to get away from materialism. What are your guys' thoughts? I know this takes it on a bit of a, bit of a, uh, you know, left turn here, but in terms of Christians, maybe this is a different podcast time, but what are your thoughts on minimalism and whether that would help with our ties toward earth? See, uh, I, you just open up a whole, I mean, that's that's a whole other episode at the very least. Uh, on money and materialism, my view, and I'm going to explain it very briefly, uh, but I think it's right. And and I think it is Paul's view as well. I call it the open hand theory of, of possessions, that you you have all of these things the the idea of an open hand is you're just holding it out and if god says mm-hmm. i need that i need that $5000 for this missionary you god takes it he he's going to take money and possessions out of your hand and he's going to put it back in for you to use you know use again and you see that over and over uh you know you and 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 it's a way of living that views all this because again it goes back to philippians 3 i don't have anything here that i'm holding on to the closed hand is when you're holding on to something and saying, "This, I, I need this. I'm not going to be happy without this. I have to have this." The open hand says, "Okay, you know, kind of the Job thing. All right, I lost my house, I lost mm. my kids, I lost my health, I lost everything else. All right, well, glorify God. I don't know why he did it. It's really a bummer that he did do it, and I don't like that he did it, but it was his. So, and, and so that's the open hand mindset. And God took it out and got, you know, or God allowed it to be taken out and put it back in. And so I think." We have to have that mindset of things, and that that kind of leads into my practical tip. What you guys kind of got at, I guess, to sum it up, would be have your life in a place that you don't have that fear of death. Not that you're going to say, I'm not wearing a seatbelt, I'm going to jump in the tiger cage when I go to the zoo and and wrestle them around. I'm (laughs) like, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not courting death. Um, On the other hand... That would make for a great YouTube video, though. That would. (laughs) You got coming up with all the ideas here. Um... The next episode would be join just Will and Joe Wilkie. Right. <laughs> yeah, lost right. host. <laughs> Make sure to catch the viral video right. on, on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, sorry, we threw that way off. No, no, no. That's uh, yeah. I will not be doing that. I'm the most risk averse person you know. So, um, <laughs> having said all of that, it if you as a Christian find yourself just as afraid of death as your non Christian neighbor something's wrong there something is yeah. is off and and so uh, as is exactly what you guys said of developing a walk with god developing a prayer life developing that confident assurance in the blood of jesus um just having the assurance every single day that he's with us whatever happens that we win in the end have those things and and you just can't be knocked distracted because okay I've, I've said it this way before growing up dad would record you know the the big football games or the hockey games you know we're, we're big sports fans in our house and he was the kind of guy nobody tell me the score you know i'm when we would be wednesday night church or whatever and he'd just run out to the car don't anybody tell me what happened run home and he would make us go down and rewind it for him because he knew we didn't care what the final score was right and so we wanted to know what happened who's winning well so we'd see okay well the avalanche our our hockey team wins four to three and so we know the final score we rewind it and we watch it with him the avalanche give up a goal and he's like oh man oh that stinks we knew the final score we didn't care like, oh, that's a bummer. We gave up a goal. You know, like yeah, the bad... Don't you dare be smiling because then he's going to be like, great, we win. Right, right. He'd be looking at our faces like, <laughs> yeah. 
You guys are giving it away. <laughs> does this does this matter? Yeah. Right. Ultimately, like you said, we knew. Right. We knew, and so the, the bad things that happen when you know the final score don't affect you as much. You're still like, oh, bummer. They shouldn't have done that. But it doesn't matter as much. When you know the final score of your life, the bad in the meantime doesn't matter. And I'm saying all that to get to this point. We've had Christians over the last two years singing What Have I to Dread, What Have I to Fear from their homes at a computer screen. Okay, mm. this is mm, what yep. I mean when I'm talking about living with the same fear as, as the rest of us around us. And we're going to get into the, the COVID side of this here soon. But we don't have a biblical theology of death. We don't have a biblical theology of proper fear and, and, and assurance. And when all of that combines, and then something that comes, as we started off talking about, that brings death right to our doorstep, and we have to think about it, we're just in the same place as the world if we haven't developed a biblical view of death. I think that's very well said. Um, I'll save, Joe, I'll save my minimalist uh, response. <laughs> I think Jack answered that very well. I know, we, again, this might be another podcast episode later. Who knows? But I'll save my answer um, as, as far as that goes. But what I will add on to what I was saying earlier and what y'all said before I kick it to you, Joe, is that as far as practical ways, live your life to serve God. Look for ways when you wake up to actively say, how can I serve God today? If you live your life with that as, as the mindset, with that at the forefront of your mind, what can I do to serve God today? How can I live my life today to serve God? I guarantee you, biblically speaking, you will not be as fearful of death. And in fact, you you will know the final score, kind of like what you're talking about. You'll, you'll know how it ends. It's, it's those who live their lives to serve themselves, those who live their lives to serve their own happiness. Treasure in this pleasures. life. Right. That yeah. those are those are the people that are fearful of death. And not to add too many things on, but here's the other thing I would say. Um, get a proper theology of grace as well. Another podcast topic probably, yeah. but to get a proper theology of grace. And assurance. You won't have a proper yeah, exactly. Read Colossians. Understand like you can be assured in Christ. You don't have to it, to your point, Will, of like live your life to glorify Christ. But you know what? If there's a day where you let down on that, you're not going to hell. Okay. I, I, I don't think you're going to hell. I look at this as, have you turned your back? Have you trampled underfoot the sacrifice of Christ? Read Hebrews six, read Hebrews 10. Have you turned your back on Christ? No. Well then we should have full assurance. If you don't have full assurance, you're going to always fear death. You're going to always wonder if you've done enough, then you completely misunderstood the gospel and you've misunderstood grace if that's the case. And so I would say, get a better depth of understanding of the idea of grace and you'll find that your fear, I don't fear death because I truly believe that God's got me. I truly that, believe in the assurance of my salvation. That might be another episode to have. Uh, I've heard it described as we, we went from once saved, always saved to once saved, barely saved. And, mm. you know, mm. we've got to come somewhere in the middle. Obviously, we don't believe in once saved, always saved, but that doesn't mean it's so tentative. So you guys should gonna... be thanking me, though, because I've come up with like five podcast <laughs> ideas. Here, I know. So I know. So we're I, I'm going to put that out to the listeners. If that is a discussion you want to hear. Email jack at focuspress.org, jack at F-O-C-U-S, press, P-R-E-S-S, dot org. Uh, subject, just put think deeper or podcast. If there's a, a topic you say that needs to be talked about or that sounds interesting, you guys brought that up and I want to know more about it, email us. The other reason I introduce the uh, email address here is we're going to be doing a book giveaway. Uh, this month, it's going to be one of our devotional books. We've got I Grow, which is a 365-day through the New Testament uh, 15 minutes a day Devo book, fantastic! It's a great book. If you already have one, you can still sign up for the Devo or for the giveaway, and uh, give it out to your friend. Or if you don't want I grow, we have our teen boys uh, devotional, teen girls devotional, and so we're going to do a giveaway for that. Uh, how to enter? Again, email Jack at focuspress.org. We're gonna put a scripture. Let's see, what are we gonna do? John 17 verse three. John 17, verse 3 is going to be the key word. Email me, John 17, verse 3, that will enter you to win one of these devotional books. Uh, we'll let you know. We'll announce it on the show. We will send our devotional book here in a week or two to whoever wins. So email jacketfocuspress.org with John 17, verse 3. That is your keyword. All right. Before we if get out say, of here. What's that? If you say Joe is your favorite podcaster, 
is is your favorite host, <laughs> you will be then, blocked immediately. Then, <laughs> I was gonna say, then you may not get any any percentage off of your books, but you will annoy my brother, and it would be fantastic. Joe will so personally buy you whatever book from the Focus Press store. <laughs> and the the best thing that you can do is tell him that you want him to buy my book for you. So yeah, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, we're gonna get to our final segment we do every week: sermon sum up. What is something you guys have been preaching, teaching, studying on? Give us uh, two minutes on that. I don't think I've gone first in a while, so I will. Uh, I'll take the hit. I'll go, go first. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'm not preaching consistently every single Sunday, but something that I, that I would, I've been teaching on recently, and something that just really caught my attention, I guess, in a way that I never thought of before. It, you know, we go to Matthew chapter 16, and you know, Peter with the very famous um, statement in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. You know, when Jesus is asking uh, the twelve, you know, who do men say that I am? You know, they all pipe up and they say, well, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then he turns the question around on him and he says, yeah, but okay, but who do you say that I am? And, you know, we've all heard verse 16 of Matthew 16, where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? It's a very, you know, bam, hammer statement, you know, good job, Peter. It never, until I just sat down and was teaching this particular section of scripture, it didn't, you know, it didn't hit me until actually, again, looking down at this, that it's just two or three verses later that what does Peter do? Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him, literally mm-hmm. reprimands him. Can you imagine being Peter and, you know, confessing you're the Christ, you are the son of God three verses later from what we can, you know, determine it, you know, close to the same setting. He pulls him back and rebukes him says, you know, far be it from you, Lord, you know, this shall not happen to you. Right. Imagine calling someone the son of God and then, you know, pulling them back and, you know, correcting them, even not even maybe rebuking, them, but just correcting them. And then obviously, you know, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of uh, God, but of the things I man actually kind of ties into what we discussed with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always just struck me as interesting. You know, we look at Matthew 16, 16 as one of Peter's finest moments. Two or three verses later is probably one of Peter's, one of Peter's worst moments in that he is, you know, rebuking and reprimanding the son of God just after confessing him as Christ. Um, but that, that was, again, something that was interesting to me is, you know, very close to the same setting yeah. uh, in the scripture. I always take really it good. as when you don't let Jesus be himself, he, he doesn't, he doesn't accept it. You can say, I love you, Jesus. I confess you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I see you this way. He says, I'm going to define myself. Get behind me, Satan. Exactly. Right. And Peter is a, is a study in the ups and downs of the Christian life. I feel like it's the same thing as getting out of the boat and you go, what faith? And then he's sinking. Yeah. It's the same thing as, you know, well, there's no way any of us here would deny you and, and we'll recline at the table with you. six hours later. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's just so up and down, but it's, it's perseverance. I love it. So no, but those are great thoughts. Uh, my thought was, you know, we skipped a week and, and so I'm still on um, the created four series, uh, just a, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of those. And so, um, this last one that I preached was created for reproduction. Uh, and the idea is, you know, what would happen if Adam and Eve had shirked their responsibility from God? What would happen? The first thing he tells them is be fruitful and multiply, right? What would have happened if they would have just been like, eh, you know, maybe, well, they wouldn't do that for a number of reasons, because first off it showed that God's, you know, God gave them his image they were to pass on his image. It would have been extremely ungrateful for them to take it for themselves and not pass it along when that's what he told them to do. Um, God uh, valued human life quite a bit, you know, from the very beginning, we are the pinnacle of his creation. They noticed we are the pinnacle. Uh, They knew that. And so once again, their job was to pass it down. And I had a couple other points. and, And the idea here is we do the same thing spiritually. We do the same thing. We don't recognize what Christ has given us. It is not ours to keep to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our job is to reproduce. The great commission is be fruitful and multiply. Basically yeah. go out and make disciples. I have chosen you. And so the first one you go from be fruitful, multiply being the very first command to man to the great commission being the very last thing Jesus says to his disciples and really acts one, eight kind of goes along with it. Go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the most parts of the earth. Right. And that really is his last words before the ascension according, according to Luke. So just, it's, it's interesting. That's really what I preached on is going from the first command of God to the last command of Christ before he leaves earth. It's the same principle of be fruitful and multiply. One's just physical and one is, is to the spiritual. And we have a huge duty to do it. And the other thing that I said is, you know, in, in 122, everything was to reproduce. Everything was to be fruitful and multiply. Imagine how unruly the garden would have been if everything had produced, but they didn't produce offspring to help them. 
They needed help in this mission of doing the earth and ruling over. We need help in our mission of going to going on to all the world. We have to reproduce. And if the first century church had taken it not seriously at all, they would have died with 40 of them in the upper room and would have never gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. Instead, they took it as, as a serious mission. We have to do the same, the same way Adam and Eve had to, the same way Noah had to, the same way the disciples had to um, take it seriously. So that's that was my thought. That's a good correlation. I like it. Um, all right. So mine, uh, I did a, a Q and a, I've been doing Q and a, I think I've said, uh, and the, the most recent one was on the Holy spirit. Uh, of course we had somebody come and say, they have all these friends who say, well, the, the Holy spirit told me this and God told me this, or, or he put it on my heart. Uh, it's such a difficult way to navigate. And, and the idea that, you know, God speaks to me, I heard a voice, there's just not any evidence of that at all. On the other hand, we can hear stuff like that, or or the charismatic, the holy roller, you know, pejorative, I guess, but way too far to one side of the Holy Spirit doing all kinds of things and tongues and all the things they do, and just go to, the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything. Um, and, and anybody who says the Holy Spirit has influenced their lives is, is a charismatic. Well, no, hold on. You've got to come up with a biblical understanding. And I think when Jesus told the apostles, he's going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. And and you sow to the Spirit, Galatians 6, 8. You put the word in your heart. You pray. You, you're asking. Um, you know, you, you memorize. You meditate. You, you have that time with God. And then you're out and about, and you have a chance to evangelize. And, and you know, those verses come to mind. He said that's what's going to happen. When it happens, don't try to explain it away. Um, you know, I, I was using the illustration of Psalm 36.1 of uh, transgression speaks to the ungodly in his heart. There's no fear of God before his eyes. It's a pretty big slam against anybody who is led away by temptation and sin, right? Temptation comes up, that verse pops up in my head, you know, like, all right, which one is it going to be? When he says so to the Spirit, and you're going to reap to the Spirit, when he says he's going to bring to remembrance all these things, and then those kinds of things happen in those moments. You know, it, it's not the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's the Holy Spirit working through what I have sowed to the Spirit. Um, that might make me a, a labeled as a liberal, charismatic, what what have you in whatever circles. He's got to do something. He's And so it, it is those two extremes, finding a center between the two. And so uh, that's, that's what I've been on lately. All right. Very nice. Uh, we're going to wrap up right there. We'll be back next week. As I said, it's not really a part two next week, but it is a, a transition. It builds on what we talked about today. As we've talked about death, we're going to talk about COVID, how the church has responded. Uh, I've got an article in the upcoming Think Magazine. Keep an eye out for that. We're going to kind of go off of that and, and riff on it a little bit on uh, two years in review, really. Um, as I said a bit before, book giveaway. Be sure to get on that. Email me at jack at focuspress.org. As always, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating, if you will. Um, tell people about it. There's discussions on, on Focus Press on Facebook. Look us up. Have a, a chat with us. If you have any ideas for, for pods, reach out to us as well. Uh, we're really wanting to connect with the audience a little bit more. We know we've got people listening, but it's kind of hard in, in these ways. And so, uh, again, go back and listen to enter that book giveaway. Make sure you send me the, the key verse. We'll enter you into that, and then we'll announce it in a week or two on the episode. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and we will talk to you guys next week.